Josh and Candy and uh, Josh and Anna. Did Anna sneak off? Class. She she just she went to class. All right. Josh is their son, and uh, Anna went to class. So uh, they're going to be out in the lobby afterwards. Um, our missionary Top Gun. How's that? No. <laughs> um, I started uh, first. There's just a re- uh, recounting uh, when when we met originally, Josh and Candy. Um, they'd gone over uh, to Philippines, originally sent by uh, another church of theirs, which was their home church. And while they were there, the first, uh, your first, it was three years, three or four years that you went. During that time, um, have you ever seen that movie Terminal? Okay, so where the person gets kind of trapped in an airport terminal, and and while they were in the air, their their country ceased to exist. (laughs) You know, okay, well... They were over in the Philippines on their first missions placement, and the church that originally sent them evaporated and ceased to exist anymore. So you guys were kind of missionaries without a home. Yep. And one of their uh, first trips back home here, well, back to the United States, landed here at Crossroads Church uh, um, through Candy's uh, brother, and their family, uh, many of you know Dan and Lisa Stoker, and the Stoker family here. Um, it's fair to say Candy's a Stoker. Yeah, there you go. And uh, But uh, we had some conversations very early, and I think uh, if, if I recount these uh, conversations um, um, accurately, I, I think at one point I said, I would like this to be your home church, and I would like to be your pastor. <laughs> and um, we just kind of made, I don't think we shook on it or anything, we just kind of said, let's, let's make it happen. And um, this has been their home church ever since. Um, we have been their sending church, and they have a lot of other connections around the country, um, many, many strong relationships and friendships, uh, even around the world, and support, but we are their home church. Um, tell us um, just kind of when you first started out, when you went, obviously, missions pilot. Um, you were working the tower, which wasn't much of a tower. It was the front room with the radio. I remember some of those early pictures of you, Candy, with the, the radio, the headset on, you know, um, talking them in from place to place. And uh, tell us what those early years were like of, of ministry and some of the flights and things. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we moved to the Philippines in 2009, and our kids were two and four. Um, huge, huge adjustments going from a 4,000-acre ranch that uh, we lived on out in Chico uh, when we first got married to uh, ninth floor of an apartment building in Manila, I think it's the second most populated, most densely populated city in the world, something like that. Crazy <clears throat> adjustments. Um, New language, new culture, new things to eat, uh, new ways to get around, just a whole lot of new that first year. And then, as you saw in the video, we moved into a, a ministry as a pilot, and uh, Candy was my air traffic controller, um, <laughs> kept tabs on me and uh, kept me updated on uh, weather and anything that I needed to know. Um, the couple uh, featured in that video, uh, Danny and Philippa Brooks, uh, planted a church on the island of Palawan. That church uh, continues to grow and reach out today. They moved to a second church plant, a second language in the Philippines um, last year, and 
had been there just a few months when he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And they've moved back to the States for a couple of years to address that and uh, are still hoping that the Lord will allow them to go back over and uh, finish the second church plant that they started. But it's just such a privilege. Um, what we moved to the Philippines to do, the team that we joined, there's over 100 missionaries working in dozens of different languages, different people groups around the Philippines. There's over 7,000 islands, over 160 different languages in this country. The land area is only about the size of the state of Arizona. Um, over 100 million people packed into that. And it's like you took the state of Arizona and just blew it up into 7,000 little pieces of land scattered over an area about the th a third the size of the U.S. Um, so some huge distances to cover to reach very small pockets of isolated people. Um, and so we work with a team of church planters. Each of our church planting teams has learned a different language and culture, living in the jungle, living on isolated islands with a people group. And they're there for the duration from learning a language, learning a culture, gaining the trust of people, community development, um, teaching through the, the Old Testament, laying the foundation to understand the gospel, and then uh, gospel, discipleship, um, church growth, walking with them through planting more churches, and we're, we're part of their support team. Um, they're living in the jungle in the middle of nowhere, You'll see some pictures in here of uh, what that looks like. Uh, some nasty, muddy roads, motorcycles on a bamboo raft, um, water buffalo pulling sleds. Uh, without aircraft, it's, it's a challenge to get to these places. I, I kind of think of it as you have, you're here in Decatur, you have uh, some missionaries in Oklahoma City and Abilene, and, and yet there's ocean between you. Yeah, yep. Or you could even go so far as uh, we're working here in Decatur and uh, we've got missionaries in Albuquerque. I mean, yeah. some of them are that those far. kinds of distances uh, with an ocean between. Yeah. And so uh, aircraft was really a lifeline for those. Absolutely. I remember a number of years ago when you were flying the fixed wing, um, it was, uh, you talked a lot about the, the landing strips and having to maintain those and care for those and make sure that the trees were cut and so you weren't, you weren't cutting them with your wings on the way in. And, yep. <laughs> um, and we're not talking um, airports and landing strips like we see even, you know, in, in farms and yep. ranches around here. We're talking uh, pretty rustic airstrips, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think the shortest one I operated on was uh, about 1,000 feet. Uh, most of them, all of them were well under 2,000. And uh, challenging, I mean, it's just, there's a couple of pictures in here. They don't look like airstrips. It's just a little gash cut out of the jungle. Um, it was a challenge. And it was very expensive to maintain those in the middle of the jungle. Uh, so a few years ago, we transitioned to using helicopters. And uh, it's, it's made an incredible difference. Um, both the helicopter and some large donors who have come alongside our organization to enable even the indigenous churches that we're supporting. Uh, there's a few pictures up there right now of uh, some elders that we're supporting, enabling them to reach out to their own people groups with the gospel with a helicopter. And uh, the first 
nine months that we had a helicopter there, we went from serving four villages to serving 13 villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I want to talk to, about the transition in just a moment, but uh, before that, um, Ken, I want you to talk just a little bit about... Um, you said you landed there, you had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and you've moved quite a bit in the, the years you've been there. But what I've always picked up is wherever you guys have landed, there's, um, we've talked here at Crossroads about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and not jumping to the preach, you know, but love your neighbor as yourself is the second commandment. And you guys have done a phenomenal job at loving your neighbors even though they might be the, it might not be the missionaries you're called to serve with the, but you've always been neighbor-oriented, connected to that. Just tell me, just in some of those moves, what that's been like to, as a family, set up camp and be a part of the, the neighborhood. Yeah, so like um, I said, you know, we moved from a 4,200-acre ranch in Chico to the ninth floor of an apartment building in Manila with a four- and a two-year-old. And it was... Um, a little bit of a challenge to figure out there was no grass, none. It's like we call it the concrete jungle. Um, it's all concrete. Just trying to figure out like what to do with the kids. And so, I mean, it kind of forced us a little bit out of our comfort zone. Of, okay, we're going to have to go out and, you know, even though we don't, can't really speak the language yet, we're learning language, go out and hang out with people. And um, then just all the different um, moves that we've had. Um, we've moved a lot, um, and, uh, just, it's been really cool to just see how the Lord has, um, uh, well, I'll back up a little, a little bit. I guess, for me, probably one of the hardest things about what we've done is having to say goodbye to our family, um, and we have to do it over and over and over again because we come back and we see them and we, you know, get connected again and we have to do it again. Um, and so one of the things that I really prayed and asked the Lord for was that he would bring people that would be our family. And um, it's been awesome how God, every time we have moved, he's brought people, people that have kids, our kids' age, um, even neighbor kids next door that the kids have got to connect with, which uh, has helped them um, learn the language and, you know, be enculturated into that culture. Um, and just, I guess, living life there is just very different than here. There's no predictability. Um, I'm a person, I like stuff laid out. I like plans. I like schedules. Um, I like to kind of know what's going to happen that day. And you just can't do that. Uh, the power goes out. The water goes out. Internet goes out. Um, people stop by without calling first. Um, uh, I mean, it's just constant, you know. And um, so I've just really had to um, ask the Lord to change my heart, change my perspective, and just, you know, I can... I mean, we're really living a dream that we have had, you know, since before we were married. This is what we wanted to do, but... In a lot of ways, the dream doesn't really look like what I thought it would. Mm. Yep. And, but learning it that either I can drag my feet and complain and whine about it, mm-hmm. or I can choose to accept it as a wild, amazing adventure yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. 
and to choose joy in those times where I'm like, you know, another move for real? Yeah. Yeah. Another goodbye? Someone else is leaving? Hmm. And as hard as that is, we've had, it's just been amazing the peace that the Lord has given us because there's always, always, always peace when you're walking in the will of God, when you're doing yeah. what he asks you to do, That's as right. hard as it is, yep. stepping out of your comfort zone, doing things that are not fun, um, he gives you peace in that. And that's just yeah. been so amazing. It's just been um, awesome to see our kids just thrive and grow. You know, I mean, we've had people tell us, you guys are absolutely insane. What are you doing taking kids over there for real? Huh. And it has been just, just watching them. Like, I mean, we were setting several years ago in a church out in the middle of nowhere watching them hold God's word in their language for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my kids are here and yeah. they're experiencing this. I mean, they have friends from all over the world. Um, it's so awesome. I mean, our team is made up of we had a we had like a barbecue one time at our house and we had 12 different nationalities represented. And it's just amazing just the the perspective that they have and um, I mean it's hard it's hard being away from grandparents and away from family and all of that but it is just amazing the blessings and the things that God has given us and just what I guess when I when I think about I'm like thinking about the things that you know we see it a lot of times as sacrifice that it's really it's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be able to be over there and see God working, see God working in our lives and in our kids. Yeah, that's awesome. We've been in a series called Hopes and Dreams, and um, you might notice in your bullets in the top of the middle section, I, I put knowing God's heart or something like that. I think that's the, what, I, what I wrote in there. Um, you hit the nail on the head, and really, as we were talking this week, that's that's the, the thought that came to mind. We have these hopes and dreams. We have these, and it's all of us. It's not just these guys. We have the, the list, those things, those desires, those dreams that God's called us to, and yet, in the midst of that, whether we're taking a left turn or a right turn as, as He nudges and leads, um, we're left with that decision, do I believe God is who he says he is? Do I believe he's true and he's faithful and he's good? And he, do we believe that or not? You know, and, and when we land with yes, then it makes those steps easier. It, it makes those steps, we're able to take those steps even with joy, right? And now, since that first time we met to now, um, there's been some transition, again, not just in moving in that, but uh, from pilot to uh, fixed-wing airplanes to helicopters, you mentioned that. Even the, the ministry that was called New Tribes Missions is now called Ethnos 360. So even that has changed. And uh, for you guys, a big, huge uh, upheaval and, and change functionally to your calling. And talk a little bit about that and just... How God's been leading you through that. Um, uh, the, the target of being a pilot doing this has now kind of taken a left-hand turn and uh, sure. pulls a rug out from under you at times. Yeah. Uh, so we, we flew a flight pro- program on the island of Palau and pretty well ran it 
ourselves. We didn't have uh, partners, co-workers in the aviation area at that time uh, up until uh, 2014. And uh, we were back here for a couple of months. And during that time, some things, some dynamics changed in that region. And that flight program closed down. And uh, since that time, the Lord's had us doing just uh, different, what we thought were short-term projects here and there. And uh, it's been a long, to be honest, kind of wearying period of moving from one thing to another without ever having a, a job description, a, a definition that we could kind of say, this is who we are, this is what we're doing. And uh, about a year and a half ago, well, let me back up. When we, as a pilot, that's what we went to the Philippines to do, and there was never anything in my mind that made me think that we might do something different. Uh, one is a pilot. We'll fly until the Lord leads us back to the States or until I can't fly anymore or whatever. But um, about a year and a half ago, we, we started realizing that maybe the Lord was leading us a different direction. Some conversations with leadership and um, some needs were coming up on the field there that... Uh, honestly scared the living daylights out of me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get real personal and a little bit raw because these are things that are still a little bit raw for me. But um, I'm hoping that in sharing this, it'll minister to some of you guys as well. And, uh, and that is, I realize that like the songs we sing this morning, I know who God says I am. I know who I am in Christ. but I tagged a butt onto that. Yeah, I know who I am, but I'm a pilot. I know who I am in Christ, but I'm a missionary. I know who I am in Christ, but I'm an awesome husband. Um, I know who I am in Christ, but I'm a dad. I know who I am in Christ, but I'm a business owner. I'm a pastor. I'm a ministry. And... I found myself, I found the Lord peeling back some layers of identity and saying, am I enough for you? Just me? I gave my son so that I could have a relationship with you. And you want more than that? You want more than a relationship with me? And it convicted me. I mean, I didn't like to see those things in myself. I didn't realize they were there until the Lord started moving us away from, from flying. And I felt this resistance growing in me to that. I didn't want to let go of this cool identity that I had as a missionary pilot. Um. But what he's moving us into, we've realized that, pun intended, but as a pilot, I had a bird's eye view of ministry all over the Philippines, really. Uh, far more mobile than any of our other missionaries. We built very close relationships with uh, all of our church planners all over the Philippines. And the Lord was preparing us. 
he's moving us into a ministry now where um, we'll be discipling new minist- uh, missionaries coming to the field and helping to plug them into ministries where they can be effective. Uh, also involved in some strategy, looking at the 30-plus unreached people groups in the Philippines and what is the best way to reach each people group? Who are the best people that, are, that we have available to fit into these various ministries? So we'll be doing that. Uh, the Lord's also allowing us to continue being involved in aviation. I'll be director of maintenance for our helicopters as well. Um, but uh, it's, been, it's been a journey. It's been a... Uh, if you've read C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, and Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, Eustace um, falls prey to greed and uh, puts, um, he becomes a dragon. And he's lonely, he's crying, he's by himself as this huge dragon that's unlovable, can't fit on their ship. Um, and Aslan comes to him and says, uh, just peel that dragon skin off. And so Eustace as a dragon peels his layer of skin off and he's still a dragon. He peels another layer off and he's still a dragon. And finally Aslan says, let me take care of that. And there's this rending and Aslan the lion reaches his claws deep through more layers of the skin than Eustace realized were there and rips the whole thing off and leaves Eustace as, he intended, as Aslan intended for him to be. And uh, that's, that's much what I felt the Lord doing in, in my life, is ripping off these layers that I built to protect myself and this identity of um, who I was yeah. uh, and left me as his child, child of the King of Kings. And that's enough. I love that story, but I hate that story. (laughs) 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 You know, um, I was sharing with staff a couple weeks ago about that exact same, about that same story. And yeah, we've, we've talked about this for years and we would get, we'd get on Skype calls and we'd we'd talk and, you know, it's something you've wrestled with. Um, as Josh was talking, I, th- I think the application for us is, is this. I'm, I'm, it's kind of leading me to um, tell you something I, I told you this week again, but um, are there some things that you're holding on to so dearly thinking that there's such a prize that are in fact holding you back from a better thing that God has for you or a bigger blessing that God has for you? Um, Isaiah 54 comes to mind where, um, where the word comes through Isaiah to God's people about expanding the length of the tent uh, mm-hmm. strings and, and expanding the area of the tent. And that, that's just a, um, a picture I have for you guys as you go back. The, it, the revelation is going to be the, the vast, greater impact that your ministry is going to have um, because you've said yes to this new role and this new position and the lives that are going to be impacted are going to be exponential there's going to be 10 or 100 of those stories as a result of what you guys are doing instead of one and uh, maybe for us what are some things that we're holding on tightly to that we believe that this is it this is all 
But God has so much more. Instead of the, you know, 12 ounces, God has 16 gallons for you. Whatever it might be, but stepping into this thing. Uh, I shared in the first service, uh, uh, Acts 20:24. 20, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I would finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And that really speaks to these guys' lives. Uh, they consider their lives nothing. If only they can complete the task that God has. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't life be so much easier if we all just embraced that? You know? Um, let, yeah, I, I got to eat. I got to put clothes on. I got you know, um, uh, Alan was talking about that earlier. We get worried about those things. But wouldn't it be nice if we could just set those things aside and embrace what God has for us? Um, I want to get on to uh, a pastoral thing, and they're going to kind of cringe while I say this, but uh, it takes money to, uh, to live over there. They don't have paying jobs in the community there. All of their support comes from the United States or for other place, from other friends and, and places around the world. Um, they have needs. And uh, my desire is that as they go back, um, the financial side of things will be something they don't have to worry about. They can worry about the task. They can worry about, about fulfilling all that God's called them to. Um, I asked them a, a blunt pastoral question. I said, what are your expenses and what's the shortfall? And uh, they reluctantly told me. So I'm going to share that with you. And, and uh, um, here's, here are two ways that we can help them. One is in a one-time gift. And uh, that one time goes, uh, obviously, to, um, to help them. There are some, um, some costs in travel. Uh, a family of four around the world is not easy or cheap. Um, and there are also projects from time to time. I told uh, these guys, anytime a project comes up or an emergency, let us know. And I'm going to share that with you. And from time to time, there's going to be, hey, there's a need here. Let's meet it. Hey, there's another need here. So those are in one-time gifts. There's also an ongoing, it's not like they just evaporate and disappear for six weeks and then come back, you know. It, they are there 24-7, and it costs money. The, the monthly shortfall right now is about $2,000, and that is in ongoing monthly support. And if the Lord is calling you, I, I'd invite you to just pray about it. And if it's $5 a month, if it's $15, if it's $300, whatever, the Lord lays on your heart. Um, you can do both of those at crossroadspeople.com forward slash give. They have a website and they have a way to give um, the easiest way, at least to get it up on the screen right now. Oh, you'll see it up there too. Their blogs, um, that one um, is a way to go directly to there and you can also give on their website. Either way, it's going to get to the same place in its entirety, 100%. But I invite you to prayerfully consider and... Um, a gift, whether it's one time or monthly gift, and uh, and hear me, I do want us as a church to step up um, and meet needs. Uh, talk to them after out in the lobby. Um, they'd love to share more with you. They're here until May-ish. Uh, we say a lot of ish around here. <laughs> you know, it's just as the Lord leads, right? But they're here till May. They're going to have uh, time to uh, grab lunch or, or uh, a good uh, Tex-Mex dinner. Fill them up with Tex-Mex before they go back to uh, Philippines, okay? Or a good steak. Um, uh, just hear about the ministry. Be invested. This isn't just about writing a check. It's about being connected, involved. Prayer support is vitally, vitally important. If you can't give or even if you can, prayer is even more important. And uh, it's a spiritual endeavor, 
And spiritual endeavors require spiritual solutions and spiritual support. And I believe in the supernatural realm, God wants to do amazing things in them and through them. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to invite us all to stand. We're going to step down and we're going to pray uh, with them and for them.